much going on. I got to say a few uh, more things. One thing is this. Some of you may have known Michael Epperly. He went home to be with the Lord a couple of months ago. We're having a service for him. Uh, this Saturday at 2 o'clock will be a pre-service of music that he and his wife Susie uh, produced. And if you want to come early and enjoy that music that Michael was a part of and Susie sang, then there will be a pre-service at 1.30. The service begins here at 2 uh, this Saturday if you want to come and celebrate Michael's life with us. That would be fantastic. Also, a couple of other things. Men's ministry. Uh, men, we have the Men's 33 and Raising a Modern Day Night. If you have a son, especially a son maybe in his early teens to younger than that, uh, Raising a Modern Day Night, it starts this Tuesday, as does the Men's 33. This is a great study, men. Please don't miss it. Uh, you, you have an opportunity to impact the life of your son in a powerful way. If you uh, would join us, that would be fantastic. It's a great study on what it means to be a godly father and uh, and parent. So it's really important. So it starts this Tuesday. Sign up. Get a book like this. It starts this Tuesday. Greg Magnus will be on the patio uh, getting that all together for us. Tonight is the International Day of Prayer. And by the way, this is election week. You should go out and vote. Amen? Amen. If you are a citizen and you want to do what the Word of God says, Romans 13 says, obey your government. Your government tells you to vote. You should vote. How you vote is this. Well, you take the Word of God and you evaluate every issue and every candidate through the lens of the Word of God and you make a decision biblically. That's the way to vote as a believer. So I would challenge you all to do what our government says, to go out and vote. Don't miss it. Uh, It's this Tuesday. That's going to be part of our International Day of Prayer tonight. We're going to be praying for the persecuted church. We're going to be focusing on our elections and our country and praying for a revival uh, because we need the power of prayer, amen, in our church and in our lives. And then we're going to be praying for our church. Love for you to come out at 7. We'll have some coffee and light refreshments. We're just going to fellowship together. It's going to be a time of worship, but just a time of a concert of prayer, moving from one theme to the next. We want you to join us tonight at 7 o'clock and pray for our nation. Let's pray for our sermon this morning as we open up the Word of God and feed our souls with God's Word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to live for you, Jesus. You gave everything for us, now we give everything we have back to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would open up your word to us as we walk through your redemptive story through the Old Testament, your plan of salvation leading to the ultimate Savior in the universe, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be ready to receive your word. Lord, we we humble ourselves before you. You are our God. We're here to meet with you today. Help us to put aside all distractions. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been in a series entitled uh, Ordinary Heroes of the Old Testament. Uh, Ordinary Superheroes of the Old Testament. Uh, People that impacted the world for God. And we're going to be building the Old Testament story of salvation. We began with Adam and Eve in the very beginning and how they fell. And then we talked about Abel and how he gave his offering of faith. And Noah built an ark because God was judging the world for its sin. Then we talked about the Tower of Babel and how all the languages were confused because they built a tower to make a name for themselves, not to glorify God, which should be the ultimate end of all of our lives, the ultimate goal to glorify God. Then we had two weeks that we studied Abraham. First, his failure of faith, where he doubted God's protection on his life, and he lied. Then the next week, when he had a victory of faith and was willing to offer his only son, Isaac, 
as a sacrifice to God. Then last week we talked about Isaac and his love for peace, how one person described him as the first apostle of peace because he loved peace. And so we talked about promoting peace last week. Today I want to talk about Jacob as we continue down the history of the Old Testament, highlighting the key people of the salvation story. And Jacob received all the blessings that came to Abraham from God. Abraham was told by God, your seed will outnumber the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. I will make your nation great. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Of course, pointing to Jesus and the coming of the Messiah. All those promises when Abraham died were then given to Isaac. Now all of those promises were given to Jacob. Because he would continue the building of the nation of Israel. Now you probably remember the story of Esau and Jacob. Esau was the oldest son, should have received the birthright. They were twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau was a hairy baby. Uh, Jacob was a smooth-skinned baby. He was the eldest son, Esau was. But Jacob deceived his father and received all of the blessings that should have gone to Esau went to Jacob. Now, to be fair, Esau sold his birthright for a what? For a meal. Read that story in the Bible. But today I want to highlight Jacob. He's a grown man now. He's married. He has kids. And he has an amazing encounter with God. He wrestles with God. He's wrestling with God and looking at that passage and what it means to our lives as he begins to build the nation of Israel. Here's the bottom line of our talk. There are times in our lives when we need to look past the superficial battles and conflicts that we experience. When we have uh, conflicts in our lives, when we have battles in our lives, sometimes we need to look deeper than just the superficial appearance of those conflicts. We need to look deep into our heart and see if there's something within us that God is seeking to change, that God wants to radically uh, transform in our lives. Often that's the case. Bottom line goes on to say this. We need to realize that we have never honestly faced the reality that our foundational issue is that we are wrestling and struggling with God himself. Uh, I've been a pastor for many years, and it's been a blessing. I love serving the Lord and serving people like you. But I know that often people are struggling in their lives because bottom line, deep down in their heart, they're struggling with God. They're struggling with God's plan They're struggling with God allowing certain things to happen in this planet or certain things to happen in their lives. And it's a deeper struggle with God. And I believe this story of Jacob wrestling with God was God's way of saying to Jacob, Jacob, you have all of these problems in your life. Why? Because bottom line, you're wrestling with me. You haven't settled the faith question in your own life. And that is true of so many believers They are wrestling with God. They're demanding answers for things that often God will not give them the full answer for until they step into heaven. They're struggling with God. That ultimately leads to so many other conflicts in our lives. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Love having our Bibles open as we look at the life of Jacob. We're going to start at verse 22. It's page 27 in your chair Bibles, by the way. The 
Bible says that this, that same night, Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Jacob was left alone. All of a sudden, this man comes on the scene, and they begin to wrestle. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob had a sense of who he was wrestling with. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you had striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on that sinew of the thigh. Here's the story of Jacob, being, Jacob wrestling with a man, and he makes it clear in the text who this person is. It was a, a pre-incarnate appearance, I believe, of Christ. They're called Christophanies. In the Old Testament, there are a number of theophanies, and a number of Christophanies, where Jesus appears in physical form. I believe this is one of them, and so do many other commentators. That he appears to Jacob as a man and begins to wrestle. Now, here's the reality. God could have won at any time. We sense that even with the fact that as they're struggling, he just touches the hip of Jacob, and it's put out of place. He's injured just by the touch of this man's hand. But what God was trying to show Jacob is this. Jacob, this physical wrestling you're having with me is what you've been doing basically your entire life. See, Jacob had a number of problems that he was facing. A number of issues in his life. But there isn't a strong indication that Jacob had made God his God. Yes, he was born into Isaac's family. Yes, he received all the promises. But God is always referred to as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. Never the God of Israel. Never the God of Jacob until after he wrestles with God. Here's my first point. It's this. Jacob's greatest struggle was found in his wrestling with God. Not just in this passage, but throughout his life to this point. His wrestling with God. God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Um, uh, Jacob's moments of not trusting God like he should have. Jacob's deception of his own father. The sense that Esau felt betrayed by his own brother in that Jacob stole what he considered was his. See, the greatest struggle he had wasn't even his struggle with Esau, his brother, who Jacob was concerned wanted to kill him. And by the way, this event happens when Jacob hears that Esau is coming to Jacob with 400 men. Jacob was concerned that Esau was going to kill him and his family. It was under that stress that he has this wrestling match with God. See, Jacob had a number of problems. He betrayed his own brother Esau by 
obtaining the birthright that Esau felt he should have received. He deceived his own father, Isaac, causing tension in the family. He had to leave his own family because of that tension when he deceived his own father by identifying himself as Esau because his father couldn't see well and received the blessing that Isaac thought should have gone to Esau as well. Then he conspired against his own father-in-law, Laban. And his relationship with his father-in-law is a rocky one. Laban deceives him at his own, uh, Jacob at his own wedding, and Jacob uh, conspires against Laban so that he is blessed with flocks and herds in his conspiracy against his own father-in-law. To me, it represents a person who's living a life that claims to be a follower of God but has one struggle after another. And that was the story of Jacob. You know, Campus Crusade put together these, I think, helpful circles of life. Let me share them with you. Uh, one, One circle they describe as the unbelieving life. Self is on the throne. Self is leading that person's life. Jesus is outside of that person's life. You can see the cross is outside of the circle. Christ is outside the life. Interests and priorities have really no direction from God, and therefore there's confusion in that person's life. That's a person who hasn't come to know Christ yet. Uh, But the goal is this, that once you come to know Christ, Christ is on the throne. He directs every compartment of your life. You never say, well, Jesus, you can have this compartment, you can have that compartment, but over here, I'm running the show. I'm doing it my way. That's not what a Christ follower does. Christ follower says, Lord, I give you every compartment of my life, my personal life, my marriage, my friendship, my business, I run it according to your principles and your guidelines. You are in charge of everything. You sit on the throne of my life. I like how Campus Crusade describes that. That Jesus is the one in charge. But then there's a circle, too, that's called the carnal believer. And that's caused a lot of debate among Christians. Those moments in our lives when, as a believer in Christ, we do things our way and reject the wisdom of the Word of God. We put ourselves back on the throne and push Jesus off, which leads to problems in our lives. Interests are directed by self again, often causing discord and frustration again in our lives. I believe that's how Jacob was living his life. He wasn't following God's will in all of these different conflicts that he had. He should have trusted God and done things God's way, but he didn't. And sometimes people will say, well, the carnal believer, is that even a believer? If you're willing to live in a state where Jesus is off the throne, now we all have those moments, right? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and it begins to convict us of decisions that we have made that are not according to the word of God. We've not followed the leadership of Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts us and gets us back on the path. I would have a concern as well if someone was living in a state of disobedience against the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know what's right, but you continue to live in sin. I remember uh, at a retreat, men's retreat that I was at my previous church, uh, we were uh, breaking up into circles of men and we had a question. The first question we had for discussion was this question. It said, uh, how did you come to faith in Christ? Not when, but how did you come to faith in Christ? And a few of the men had shared. Then we came to one guy in the circle who said this, you know, the way I came to faith in Christ is I put my faith in Christ to please my wife. Then he stopped 
And he said, you know what? I just realized something. I'd never put that in words before, but I just realized I came to Christ for all the wrong reasons. I came to Christ to please my wife, not because I truly believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and I needed him in my life. And he actually broke down in tears with all of those men. And we prayed with him to truly receive Christ for all the right reasons in that little circle that night. See, sometimes people in their lives, they realize, you know, I've come to Christ for the wrong reasons. I'm still living life according to my desires. Jacob was like that. He was having conflict in virtually every area of his life. And God meets him on this special night and begins to wrestle with him. And yeah, there's talk about one prevailing over the other, but the whole purpose of this passage is this. Jacob, you're wrestling with God. This needs to be settled. Your deeper struggle is your wrestle with God. So the reality is this. We need to constantly remember the eternal spiritual battle that you are in every day. There is a battle for your attention. There is a battle for your allegiance every day, even as a believer. Satan would love to distract you from the word of God. Satan would love for you to do what what he wants you to do, not do what the word of God says. And sometimes things come out of nowhere and hit your life and you are faced with the opportunity. Do I face this trial doing it God's way or not? Yesterday I was at a volleyball tournament. My son was involved in it up in Anaheim. And we were sitting there, the game had just started, we had just gotten there. My wife had just bought this $5 cup of coffee at this uh, gym. There were teams from all over California sitting there. And one thing my wife loves to do is hold a cup of coffee while she's watching volleyball. I was sitting to her left. There were all these games going on in courts around us. And as I'm sitting there, I'm watching my son play. And out of nowhere, my friends, this ball from the other court that was spiked by one of the hardest Hitters, I've watched, I was watching them play. An incredibly hard hitter. He hit the ball. It bounced into our court. It perfectly nailed my wife's brand new cup of hot coffee. I was sitting to her left. The coffee, as I'm staring this way, the coffee explodes onto my face. My computer, which was in my lap, closed, by the way. My pants, my shirt. I was soaked. It was like someone threw a hot coffee water balloon at me. I was soaked out of nowhere, an explosion. How do we handle those explosions in our lives? Those moments when out of nowhere something happens and and you're like, where did this come from? What just happened? Am I going to follow God's plan? We are constantly in a spiritual battle every day. Things will hit you out of left field, out of right field that you do not expect. How will you handle it? You're in a spiritual battle. If you're wrestling with God, if you're struggling with God about things that you demand answers for, that weakens us spiritually. Here's the second thing we need to understand. Faithfully check the status of your heart today and your connection with the Lord. See, Jacob had all of these conflicts with Laban, with Esau, with Isaac. He had to run from his family because he had all this deception going on in his life. We need to constantly check where our heart is at today. Uh, Do you have a heart that says, Lord, I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Not perfectly. I still blow it at times. But, Lord, I want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit in my life. 
And if there are conflicts in my life, is there something that you're trying to do in my life to change me, to get my attention? Am I wrestling with you? Am I struggling with you, God? I've had people say to me, man, I'm wrestling with God right now. I'm wrestling with God. That leads me to the second point of this text. It's this. Jacob's greatest lesson, his greatest gift, came in a surprising package. He was wrestling with God. What an event that must have been. As he realized who he was wrestling with, he says it himself in the text, I have seen the face of God and I'm living still. I wrestled with God tonight. And he blessed me. See, Jacob's greatest lesson was that night when he wrestled with God and settled that issue. See, uh, God did not speak to Jacob in a dream like he had in the past or in a vision like he had in other times. Check out Genesis 31, 13. This came as he wrestles all night with God. And by the way, it put him in a weaker position to face Esau. Jacob was worried about Esau and 400 men possibly coming to kill him and his family. This wrestling all night was a bad timing event. Made him even weaker. But sometimes God's comfort comes in unexpected and even unwanted packages. You know, there are times in my life where I've sensed God's comfort from someone that I didn't expect it or in some way that I didn't expect it. But God desires to comfort us as we draw near to him, not in our necessarily wrestling match with him, but settling these issues that we are wrestling with God about. There's a point at which you have to say, all right, I'm going to settle this. I'm going to leave this issue with God. I'm demanding an answer. It's not coming. I will leave it with God. I will stop a life of wrestling against God. That was Jacob's deeper issue. See, and here's what I'd love for us to do. Look for God working in your life in surprising ways. Look for God working in your life. See all the interactions in your life as an opportunity for God to teach you something, to show you something in your life. Isaiah 55 talks about this. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, sometimes God acts in ways that are surprising to us, but we need to, in every circumstance, have teachable hearts that say, God, what are you trying to teach me? And here's another thing we need to do. Reaffirm your belief in a God who loves you recklessly. I love our song that we sing here at church. It talks about a reckless love that God has for us. And what that reminds us of, and it's even in the song itself, is a God who says, I'm going to leave the 99 sheep to find the how many? One. That's a reckless love, right? He loves all the sheep the same, but he's going to leave the 99 to find the lost one. That same passage in Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. A father that runs to a son who's returning to his father, even though he's covered in mud and pig uh, food and has, has wasted all of the father's resources, but he's moving to his father, this prodigal son is, and the father throws off all pomp and pretense and runs and embraces his son. See, that's the kind of God that we serve. And I know if you're like me, there have been times in my life I've questioned, God, why did you allow this? God, why did this happen? Why am I going through this? But bottom line, you're driven back to the foot of the cross and you remember a God that loves you recklessly all the way to the cross. 
A God that left the 99 to find you. A God that when you move toward him, he ran to you and embraced you. The only time in the word of God when God the Father is pictured as running was when he runs to a prodigal moving back to him. So there comes a point when we say, Lord, I don't understand, but I still draw near to you. Lord, I don't understand, but I'm not going to allow this to get in the way of you being my God, my Savior, and most importantly, your Lord in every life, in every area of your life. Here's the third thing we need to remember today. It's this. Jacob's wrestling with God changed his identity. It changed his identity in the text. It's really clear, right? He he says, you are called Jacob, but now you're called Israel. That will be your name. I'm renaming you Israel. What does Israel mean? The word Israel actually means this. God contends. May God prevail. God perseveres. That's the meaning of the word Israel. God contends. God perseveres. God fights. God perseveres. And it was a reminder to Jacob. God is contending for your heart, Jacob. God is fighting for your heart. God could have won that battle at any moment, but he wanted to teach Jacob a lesson. You're wrestling with God in your life. You need to settle your heart. You need to come to a place where you trust God because God is fighting for your attention. God is fighting for your allegiance. See, there was a twofold wrestling going on. Jacob was wrestling with God, but God was wrestling with Jacob. God was coming into Jacob's life and saying, I'm not going to leave you in this state of rebellion against me, in this state of ongoing deception and conflict in every area of your life. See, God could have physically annihilated Jacob, but he's getting Jacob's heart where it needed to be. It wasn't about defeating him physically. That wasn't the purpose of this wrestling. It was getting Jacob to get his heart to the place it needed to be. I wonder today, is God wrestling with you? There are things that the Bible talks about that he's revealed to us, things that are so precious to our faith that we need to hold on to, that we need to adhere to. The word of God and everything that it says, that it is the inerrant word of God, and it gives us a plan for our lives, but so often we struggle with doing it God's way. We're wrestling with God, or something happened that we, we just can't accept, and God, I'm going to allow this to get between me and you because I don't like what you're doing. God, you're failing me. See, that's the deeper issue. And there are things that are not revealed to us that God will not answer for us, but he wants us to walk by faith. Are you willing to trust him in that? Are you willing to trust him in that? See, wrestling with God changed Jacob's identity. He now engaged God by faith. It became a gracious gift of restoration. Jacob's tenacious faith pleased God, and he rewarded Jacob's request. I want to tell you, God's not afraid of your wrestling but he doesn't want you to stay there. All throughout the Bible, we see one person after another wrestling with God. I think of Habakkuk, who wrestled with God using Babylon to destroy Israel. God, how can you use a more sinful nation than we are to destroy us? But Habakkuk becomes a hero prophet when he goes to the watchtower and prays and seeks God. 
And in that watchtower, he seeks the heart of God and God gives him an answer. He draws near to God in his struggle. And I believe that all of us go through a time of wrestling with God. But you can't live there. You can't stay there. And if God doesn't give you the answer right away, you move on and say, God, yet I still trust you. And one day the answer may come in this life, but it may not. And it may only come when you step into eternity, but your bottom line approach to life is, God, I'm going to keep walking with you. I'm not going to allow my life to turn into a wrestling match with you, a boxing match with God. My arms are way too short to box with God. Amen? Way too short. God's going to win that every time. Please don't allow one more day of potential joy in your life to be lost because you're struggling with an issue from your past and and you don't have the answer you want. You get to the point where you say, Lord, I leave it at the cross. I know this, that you love me enough to die on the cross for me. And with that truth, I will energize my walk with you and I'll move past my struggle. I love what Bob Goff said. God doesn't break things so he can fix them. He fixes broken things so he can use them. When we come to faith in Christ, we were broken. We were helpless. We were hopeless. But God in his love transformed our lives and now he takes us and wants to use us to make a difference for all of eternity. I want to ask you today, is there a struggle that you're having in your life that you've never let go of and it's causing you to feel distant from God? Now's your chance to move beyond it. See, here's here's the reality. God desires to bless you. He wants to meet you in your fear and and your anguish and your uncertainty. He may not meet you in the way that you expect or desire, but stay with him. Don't give up. Do not give up until he blesses you. That's the text here, right, in Genesis 32. Hey, Jacob says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. This tenacity that Jacob had. And as you know, in this battle, Jacob is wounded by God just by a touch of his finger. And here's the reality. Jacob's weakness became a reminder of his greatest strength. Jacob didn't know what was going to happen when he met Esau and the 400 men that Esau was bringing. He kept sending gifts to Esau to try to soften Esau's heart. But now he leaves this wrestling match even in a weaker condition to face Esau. He now has a limp. Why? It was a reminder to Jacob that his greatest strength wasn't his physical strength. His greatest strength was his connection to God. His greatest strength was his faith in God. His tenacity to hold on to God. That became his greatest strength. His limp was a reminder of that. Yeah, I need to keep trusting God. Can't depend on my own strength. Can't depend on my own wisdom anymore. I will trust God and his wisdom. That no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to hold on to God. I'm going to hold on to God and my faith. And if there are answers that I do not receive in this life, I will trust God in those moments. I will trust God in those moments. See, God afflicted Jacob with a debilitating injury. It forced Jacob's faith to fully rest on God, not himself. And at times, God will cause us to limp to increase our faith in him. Anybody think of a New Testament passage like that? Where there was a struggle that a person was having and he pleaded with God to take it away, but he didn't? 
Exactly, Paul. Let me read it to you. Turn your Bibles. Keep your finger in uh, Genesis chapter 32. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a powerful passage. And we may not like that God operates this way, but you know what? I'm not going to wrestle with God about this anymore. I'm going to trust him in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, says this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul says, so to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Paul was given all these amazing revelations by God. But to keep him from being too elated, too puffed up, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He was wrestling with God. Lord, please take this messenger of Satan away. Some people think it was an illness. Some people think it was a person. That was bothering Paul, causing pain in Paul's life. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that he should take it away from me, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Jacob's greatest strength was realizing his weakness, and God made him permanently debilitated. To remind him that his greatest strength is not his physical strength, but his strength in God. That's your greatest strength today, my friends. It's not your human wisdom. It's not your human physical strength. Your greatest strength is your connection with God. It's the greatest eternal power connection that you have. We should never minimize it. We should never diminish it. And it says this, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon what? Upon me. Hey, I'm going to remind myself of all my weaknesses so I will stay close to God. I'm going to remind myself of all my weaknesses so I will move past my wrestling with God and hold on to him by faith and trust him. That's how valuable our faith is. My friends, all of us have questions that have not been answered. All of us don't understand certain things that happen in this world, but we move beyond it because we trust God. We don't allow this to become a wedge in our relationship with him. And 2 Corinthians 12 tells us of how Paul moved beyond his struggle. It says this, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Exactly. Oh, man, there's so many times when I have been reminded of that. When I think I'm strong, then I'm weak. When I think I'm strong in my own self, then I am at my weakest. But when I am weak and I'm relying on God, then I am my strongest. When I trust God, even when I don't have all the questions to all the struggles in my life answered fully, that's when I'm at my strongest. This was a wrestling match with God to say to Jacob, you've been wrestling in so many areas of your life, but your deeper issue, Jacob, is you're not making me your God. See, right after this, Jacob is now known as Israel. He wrestles with God. He builds an altar, and he calls it the God of Israel. It's the first time in the Bible where we see those words. He's now the God of Israel. 
He's Israel's God. He's Jacob's God. Up to this point, God is the God of Abraham and Isaac, never the God of Israel, until after he wrestled with God and settled that issue in his life. So as we close today, I want you to remember these things. Number one, navigating life successfully entails settling your wrestling match with God. I get it. We've all been there. But you can't live there. You can't stay there in a wrestling match with God. At some point, you need to say, I'm not going to find the answer to this question that I have, but I'm still trusting God. I'm moving beyond my wrestling match. I'm accepting the fact that God has not revealed why or or the purpose behind uh, this thing that happened in my life at this moment. One day he may. One day he may not until we step into eternity. But I'm not going to wrestle with him anymore. Number two. Wrestling with God doesn't intimidate him, but he doesn't want you staying there and living there day after day after day. Like Paul, he moved beyond it. He said, he realized, you know what? When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. I get it now, God. I was struggling for a while. I was wrestling with you. Take this thing away from me. But now I realize that this thing is actually making me stronger. This thing that I thought was making me weaker is making me a better follower of yours, making me more reliant on you, not on my own physical strength. Lastly, this. Accept the things that God has revealed to you as well as those things that remain a mystery. It's a mystery and I accept it. Don't know fully why, but I accept it. See, are we going to spend the rest of our lives contending with God? Or today are you going to say, you know what, I'm a follower of Christ. Everything's not going to be answered. But what I know of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, I can say this, I am content in Christ. He is all I need. And those things that I don't have a full answer for, I can accept that and move beyond it. One day God may give me the answer, one day he may not. But I still trust him in this struggle. No more wrestling matches with God. No more living in a wrestling match with God. I will trust him. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. And as your hearts are bowed today, if you're not wrestling with God now, you may one day. Something will come out of nowhere and happen in your life, and it will throw you for a loop. And you'll wonder, why, God? Why is this happening? And there will be a time of wrestling with God. My prayer would be that each heart here today would say, God, I know those times are coming, but help me to move beyond them quickly to trust you. Help me to move beyond them quickly to keep my eyes on the cross and the reality of your love for me, the reality of the price that you paid to set me free from the struggles of this planet, to know that there is a greater hope than just this life. It's an eternal life with you. So Lord, we love you this morning. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing this song. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. Yes, the earth is filled with His glory. Amen. Well, we have elders up front who love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Please greet one another and live this week all for Him. Don't forget the International Day of Prayer prayer meeting tonight at 7 o'clock. Sign up, men, for the raising a modern day night as well, please.
and the men's breakfast.